0: Hi, this is Kalia.
1: And this is Chris. And this is
0: It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment.
1: And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community.
0: So let's get to it.
1: Hello, Chris. Hello, Kalia. Hello, hey Dennis. Dennis.
0: And hello to our wonderful audience. Happy Pride, audience. Happy Pride, Dennis. And happy Pride, Chris. Happy
1: Pride, happy Pride.
0: Happy Pride. We're going to just ha- do it all How many times long. have
1: we said that so We've far? We've said it We're so two many weeks times. In and <laughs> I was telling Kaylee we should shorten it to HP because, you know, it's got to be catchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: but then I said that makes me think of either Hewlett-Packard or Harry Potter, I guess, depending ah. on how old you are. <laughs> Anyways, as makes you... Makes me
1: think it's not Mills, but I'm not going to tell oh. you what it makes me think of.
0: You're happy. You know what? I don't want to know. You'll think of it later. Thank you for coming back to KFCF 88.1. It's a queer thing on the third Friday of every month. Just a reminder, this radio station all of its programs are listener supported. So if you'd like to make a monthly pledge, you can do so at www.kfcf.org. Just click the big donate button
1: all right our first guest tonight is jen cruz from the eoc lgbtq plus uh community center downtown jen are you with us
0: i am with you
1: happy pride happy Happy pride
0: Pride. Pride. there we go again happy pride (laughs) 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 so jen tell us what is the eoc what does that stand for what do you guys do who are you and what do you do
2: sure i'm happy to be back i think the last time i was here was when jeffrey invited me back at the very beginning in june of 2019 and so basically so eoc is economic opportunities commission a community action agency born out of the war on poverty back in uh, lyndon johnson's era and uh that is the agency that encompasses many many programs a head start wick and a whole i think it's like 46 maybe um one of the umbrellas is sanctuary support services and the arms of that are housing services uh the central valley against human trafficking and the newest is the lgbtq resource center um so that's a little bit about that. Yeah,
1: people have and, always been confused by that. because, when, like, when Back when we had the community center and we were a safe place through the EOC, yeah. people would say, and the EOC, what does it have to do with, and I never had a great answer for that.
0: So thank yeah, you.
2: So safe, so safe Place is a national program around at-risk youth who, like, runaway youth who can find that sign and then be directed um, to a navigator to get services or into what used to be the youth sanctuary or some kind of housing program, but it's nationwide. So that at the time wasn't specific to LGBT, but we all know that LGBT youth are disproportionately impacted by, you know, homelessness and being at risk
1: runaways. So you you said what used to be the youth sanctuary shelter is that not around anymore?
2: Yeah, the building is there. It is transitional housing now under Hope Program. So it offers a shelter for eighteen to twenty four year olds that are in college who are housing insecure trying to keep them securely housed so they can get through school
1: what about their i mean are lgbt kids uh welcome there
2: absolutely yeah we have several overlapping clients because we're all part of sanctuary support services so they spend a lot of their days like doing resumes and things in the center and then they have somewhere safe to go at night
0: Okay, That's cool. great. So tell us some more about the EOC, specifically in the Fresno LGBT Community Resource Center. What kind of programs do you do? Mm, what it, you know, How much does it cost? Yeah. What do you What yeah. do you do for us? So,
2: so when we started back in the day, some very wise folks like Jeffrey and uh, Peter Robertson said, connect with all the orgs, because it was born out of the closure of the 2017 Community Center. And they're like, there is no space. So I connected with all the orgs and asked, or everyone I could get a hold of in those first few months, to ask what are the needs and the needs are typically the same right across the board it's housing um affirming mental health affirming health care and legal issues discrimination harassment um so basically any grants and proposals that we wrote after that point were around those issues um so back then it was three peer support groups a week i was opening the doors and meeting with people asking them questions about what we need uh, once we started to get some of those grants flowing in, because the center basically runs on the grants that we write and that are to the center, right? right so, DOC yeah, is right. a giant agency with lots of money, and yeah, we're under their umbrella, but the center runs off of those grants that we get specifically for the center. So, it started out with a lot of um, uh, youth stuff. There was some prevention education funding for substance use disorder disproportionately impacting our community, uh, mentor for young people. We have some of that uh, funding. Um, And basically, you know, currently with the grants that we have, we're able to get that mental health uh, issue kind of resolved for a little bit. That one, we're we're working on keeping it going with uh, some grants that are out currently. But right now, people, LGBTQ, any age, can come in, sign up, and the mental health providers we have in the center, they come in from their downtown also. It's uh, ICSI. Um, providing affirming mental health services, regardless of insurance or financial situation. Because as we know, many insurances, you find a a therapist and they're not necessarily affirming therapists.
1: Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, and, and as you know, Kaylee and I were the ones running the 2007, t- the center when it closed yeah, in 2017. Yeah, we you met know. at Irene's. Yeah, there. we oh, met we at Irene's. It. That's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, we had a whole conversation because I was like, "Well, let's find out what was successful and what was the, you know, what was the issue." What it closed.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. So, I, yeah. so it sounds like you guys do a whole lot for the community. Can you highlight a couple of the current programs or support groups that are actively happening at the center right now?
2: Yeah, we've just grown to, I believe, six total groups uh, during the week. Every week there's a 12-step meeting, there's a youth uh, support group, there's an adult support group, there is a transgender uh, expansive support group. Um, and then just uh, started back up was Disabled and Fabulous. That's happening on Saturdays now. Uh, it's the third Saturday of the month. And the other Saturday one is a Spanish, in Spanish, trans-feminine uh, group that's happening. And there's going to be another new one starting in July, I believe, around uh, Black and Brown uh, Game In. So that will be, and I think that one's going to be on Friday. But we'll announce that after Pride Month.
1: Yeah, and I know that uh, as Quistery, we held our community uh, panel uh, groups there. Um, Yeah, yeah. that was
2: the the thing, right? And I told everyone, and I say it still, like if you have something that you want to do in the center, if we have the space and the capacity, we want all the LGBTQ things to come and use the space, and it's free. We're not charging any of the orgs to use that space, whether it be for Quistery or Trans Emotion or LGBT Fresno, their game nights. Um, Like, I want that space to be available for all the smaller orgs that are working to bring right. programming
0: to the community. Right. How about kickball practice?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did go out and watch, and I heard you all. You guys are great kickball announcers.
0: Oh, oh yeah, thanks, Chris and thanks, James, thanks. they're great. No, no, i got to <laughs> say kickball so that... Somebody out there can take a shot. I'll but. even do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we appreciate the fact that you're uh, supplying meeting space for groups for free because when we talked to you, you know, that was one of our primary foundations at the LGBT Center in, in the Tower was anybody can come in and have a meeting and we're not going to charge you for it because most people don't have a place to meet. Let me, yeah. um, let me ask you this. What events do you have coming up?
2: So the next one, the big one coming up, is the fourth annual Illuminate Our Pride, and that's going to be Illuminate Our Pride and Our Mental Health this year. It'll be focused on uh, mental health disparities. There'll be a presentation on barriers to mental health for trans and gender non-binary folks. There'll be a presentation for mental health professionals that want to get better at being allies and teaching them how to do the letter writing for gender-affirming care. Uh, There will be food Vendors, artisans, selling arts and crafts, uh, food. All the restaurants on the block are going to be open this year. Uh, Chicken King, um, the Fulton, and the Los Mexicanos restaurant. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And so they'll all be open, plus a couple other food vendors. And what's uh, the what's, what's the, date the date of this yeah. event? Uh, June 24th, and uh, the official event time is 5 to 9. This year we'll also have a dunk tank going 3 to 7 as a fundraiser for Give Out Day, and all the money raised for that, they can dunk uh, the manager, which is me, they can dunk our director, uh, they can dunk some of the staff, and there's the, basically we're setting up to get ready. For
1: yeah, I event. saw, is Sylvain yeah. one of the ones going to get dunked?
2: He's hoping to reach his goal, so he'll have a window in the dunk tank, so we set up an individual, yeah, and all of the money goes to the same place, that all goes to the Transmedical Needs Fund, and that fund... Uh, supplies direct financial assistance to folks who need medical care, gender affirming care, and either have to travel for it, and maybe can't afford it, or just barely making rent, you know? Or maybe co-pays, or things like that. Also, laser hair removal, binders, prosthetics, shapewear. And is that, that a thing.
1: program that run through the center? So you you guys put that yeah. money in a, in a pot for that, those uh, specific needs, and then the people kind of come and try and get that money from you?
2: Correct. And yeah. last year during Give Out Day, we raised enough money to help about, I think it was. It totals up to about 45 different clients with up to $1,000 each since last year. Okay. So really awesome.
0: Very cool. And I know you've got a couple other things on your event calendar. You want to tell us about them?
2: Yeah. So that that was Illuminate Our Pride. And then also coming up is going to be, um, so we have our fireworks stand. That's probably one of the biggest fundraisers we do. It's a fireworks stand that runs uh, from right behind the TNT Warehouse in Fresno at 2945 South Elm. It'll be June 28th to July 4th, basically open all day till um, 9, for that whole week.
1: God, I remember Um, those days. We used to (laughs) run one. Whoa, it's a lot of work.
2: It is, is, but it's good money for, you know.
1: It is. It's good, good money. Good money for a good cause. And it's
2: unrestricted funding, so we can do a lot of things with it. Right, right. Um, Yeah, so that'll be happening, and during that week, uh, the staff will be out at that, so the center will be closed at 28th through July 4th. Um, and then you can finish out your Pride Month at the Chaffee Zoo for Family Pride Day of June, or sorry, July, June, yeah, June 29th, <laughs> sorry, June 29th from 2 to 7 p.m.
0: Great. Cool. Okay. And we're going to talk more about that zoo event a little bit later in the show. So thank you so much, Jen. And just tell the people one more time where they can find the EOC. What's your address? What's your social media handles? All those fun things.
2: Sure. It's the Fresno EOC LGBTQ Resource Center at 1252 Fulton Street. The festival will be that entire block between Fresno and Merced. Um, our Facebook and Instagram handles are the same, and all the information about group services and flyers can be found there. It's FresnoEOC.LGBTQ. And then if it's the website, www.fresnoEOC slash LGBTQ.
1: And where, just because I've been to so many events down there, and this is going to be a big one, this illuminates your pride. Where are people going to park, Jen? What do you suggest?
2: So the meters will be in effect because there's something happening at Convention Center. I think always, Um, but we have worked. We partnered with uh, Fresno Housing Authority, and there will be free parking, first come first serve, in their lot just north of the Fresno Housing Authority building, which is diagonal from the center. Okay, cool, great. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. We will see you at eliminate. We will see you at eliminate your pride. By the way, yeah, we
2: definitely will. I can't wait. I can't wait to
0: see you. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you.
1: Thanks. All right.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So Fresno's really getting on the map. All kinds of cool stuff happening in Fresno. Um, I think a lot of times people in the Bay Area specifically, they go, Fresno. But, you know, uh, between all of our community events and the expansion of not only our LGBT community and all of their cool activities, but also just I I feel like in a lot of ways Fresno's becoming – Kind of a big deal, like a little bit more, ser- taken a little bit more seriously Yeah, other you know, cities. which is
1: why we were so worried. We ran a community center here in Fresno from 2010 to 2017, and we were so worried when it closed because nobody was there to take up the cause. And then Jen came along in the EOC and they did. So mm-hmm. we're so glad there is a center now. And there's another center here called um, Spectrum. the Spectrum yep. in, in the Our Savior Sanctuary Church.
0: Yep, yep. And so speaking of Fresno becoming, you know, a big, a big city, uh, <laughs> t- being taken more seriously, we are on the cusp of getting something that a lot of other really big cities have, which is a LGBT-specific liaison between the community and city council and the mayor's office, And we've got a segment right now where we talk to robin mcgee about what that means hit it dennis
3: yeah
1: so robin we're talking about an lgbtq plus liaison in city hall in fresno tell us why we need that and what that position means
3: so a liaisonship within city government gives you an inside the building connection not only to your city council and your mayor's office but the police force you have a connection you have you know code code enforcement Um, you can think about any city entity that you might be connected to and might have an you know a tree fell in my yard and i can't find someone who will help me because i'm gay and i feel like when they show up they're not being welcoming and affirming Um, and you call that lgbt liaison their job is to figure out what's going on and why is that happening and if you look at structures nationally across the United States, major cities have LGBT liaisons. Some of them have a task force or a commission underneath them. And some of them even have an LGBT liaison within the police force that is a connection that is separate from city government. Um, And so we see a success rate nationally from that. And that's why we were advocating it in Fresno.
1: So basically, it's it's kind of like hate crimes. Hate crimes were created after Matthew Shepard because police departments were not reacting yep. to violence against the LGBTQ plus, Q plus community because they weren't interested in that. And they didn't put forth the effort because they thought, you know, let those queers die. That was basically yep. how the hate crimes thing came about. So a, a liaison in City Hall is basically to provide a buffer between city government, which may or may not decide we don't care to pursue this because it's LGBTQ related. And have someone in there that would say you have to pursue this because ABCD
3: absolutely and not only that but you know grants come through city government um and if you don't have an insider seeing that stuff then you can't point those things to the community that might be able to take advantage of those things and right now if you look at the office of community affairs they have a Asian American they have Pacific Pacific Islander they have uh, Mexican American and African American liaisons so it's only fitting that an LGBTQ in a marginalized marginalized, oppressed community that even is oppressed within those cultural groups sometimes because of faith issues or cultural issues, you should have someone who is separate from those cultural groups serving the city and serving... Because,
1: the- yeah, because certainly LGBTQ people are involved in all of those groups. Yes. So they, they are probably advocating for the specifics of that ethnic group rather than just the LGBT. Exactly. so has there ever been a task force an lgbtq task force in fresno
3: the only thing like that was the human rights commission but the human rights commission was not lgbt specific and so i would my answer would be no that it will be the first time ever in our city government where are we right now in terms of making this a reality for fresno Well, based on June 14th, we are almost at a win, hopefully, and it is because of the work that you guys helped in getting the word out and spreading emails and social media. It has been a community adoption of that messaging of we need better representation within the halls of City Hall. Uh, Right now, we are waiting on the motion that was put forward by Annalisa Perea last Wednesday. Um, It went to City Council on that Wednesday. They voted on it today. The only person that voted against that motion was uh, Gary Bredefeld. Gary
1: yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know you're shocked. Don't fall out of your seat. <laughs> But the lucky thing is out of all of the council members that were there, Maxwell was not in attendance, so we don't know how he is going to vote. But everyone else was there, voted in support of, and that means that right now, should the budget stay as it stands, you'd get a hundred thousand for a liaison, a hundred thousand that has been earmarked and stated to go to the EOC. 100,000 for community grants and 25,000 for a commission. And a commission would be like a task force. Ideally, it would see seven members that represent each district. So you would have a district one through seven, and it would be representative of our community, but also representative of, of those districts. So it, you're sa- talking
0: about how the community was involved, but, you know, a, an average lay person might not have known about this, might have missed it completely. So can you talk about the speed of which this
3: happened and also like who was and who wasn't involved and how those decisions were made? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking that question, because I feel like that's been the most heated uh, conversations that we've had over the last three weeks. We posted the letter from Kat Foubert, myself and Simon Beisel from um, Woven Community, um, Dr. Kat Foubert from Fresno State. uh, And it came from trauma. It was an event that happened at Our Savior that you guys did lots of reporting about. Um, And there was a candlelight vigil that was held, a community event to show support. At that event, Dr. Faubert spoke and made a public call for um, the mayor to add a liaison. Um, At that event, Simon saw, Pastor Simon from Woven, saw her make that plea. He reached out to me because we had worked on a faith event, um, Queerfully Faithful in the Valley, um and he said do you happen to know Cat Faubare i said yes i connected them and then i realized when they were meeting that he was asking her hey i love your call for a liaison you know i'd love to help you you know figure out how to make that happen and because i was sitting there i was able to say okay well you all should know the last four administrations have asked for a liaison. Jeff Robinson was heavy in advocating in our community. This is not a new call. Jessica Mahoney was on video on YouTube asking the mayor for a liaison. So this is not a new call, but it got more steam based on trauma events happening at Our Savior. And a lot of people have said, you know, well, oh my gosh, you're pulling these meetings and these Zooms and all this together at the last minute. That's not really the case. It ha- It has been a community effort over the course of decades, Um, but the Proud Boys attacked us, and they didn't do it in October. Now, if we could have sent a note and said, you know, could you have done it at National Coming Out Day, we would have had time to build up the steam to the budget meetings in May. But because it happened when it happened in the spring, it led right into budget talks and right when you would start demanding for a liaison to either be a part of the budget or to be left out. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Okay.
1: So how does the community get involved from this point on? Who is this money going to go to? How do we make a choice or a vote as to where this money goes to and who should get it?
3: That's a great question. I will tell you, and there's a lot of people that have said that they have heard that Jerry Dyer said he would like to appoint me. And I think that's only because I was in his ear, um, you know, and constantly trying to meet with his chief of staff to try to push him. But at that time, he was using the excuse of budget, which I think is a a, a fair excuse. And my Message to him was, I'm willing to do it for free, so you can't use the budget as the issue. And my point was to say there are plenty of people in this community that would serve as a liaison until we could establish the funding. Now that that com- uh, committee has happened, and so right now the organizers, Kat bear Simon, Jen Cruz from EOC, DeAngelique, who was the ASB president at Fresno State, did a lot of Black Lives Matter organizing, was a Bulldog Pride scholar. She is an activist within the community and a leader Um, and then you have uh, Stanley Johnson who works at EOC as well does a lot of work with um, prep and uh, advocating for EOC's programs and then you also had Alejandro Sanchez he works for Barrios Unidos Um, and all of those people that started to show interest just started getting involved what I will say is if you want to get involved you could email me at Robin McGee M C G E H E E and Robin with an I at gmail.com, I will add you to our email list and we will send it out to anybody and everybody that's interested. Just making sure that you're watching City Hall's page, as well as the EOC page, LGBT um, organizing like it's a queer thing, even the Trans Emotion has been reporting on it. There are lots of entities that you can tell um, are out there and they're trying to do good work. The last thing I wanna say to that question though, is if this funding comes, That's when the real work begins. So part of what happened from the the community discussion is we don't need to be offering ourselves for free. If they pay for liaisons right now in these different ethnic groups, they need to pay for a full time person from our community. And so that means that there needs to either be an appointment process, which is generally how the liaisons work. If they're in the mayor's office, he is appointing them. It's not a job application, and we need to be in his ear on who those good people Are who are our advocates, who are actually going to be ethical and fair, who have good character, who are connected in the community and actually doing good work. We are held accountable to hold them accountable. If it is housed within city council, then that will be a job working for City of Fresno. You'll fill out a job application. That hiring committee will be, I would assume, connected to something that Annalisa Perea could look at. And we should be calling her office and advocating. But where the funds go after that will be, I assume, connected to her office and the liaisons. And so that's where, again, the rubber meets the road. And we start saying, well, you're saying organizations. Is that organizations in name alone? Is it people doing their own fundraising efforts? Or is this money that's actually going to go back to the community and be used for good LGBTQ community work?
1: Right, because you you and I both know that anybody can be an organization these days and anybody can say I'm a nonprofit pretty much. And it's pretty easy to be a nonprofit these days. But we want to look at people that are actually doing the footwork and are on the ground and are giving money back to the community and helping each other.
3: Amen.
0: Great. So thank you so much. Is there any other little bit of information about this liaison that we didn't ask that you feel the public needs to know? I have talked enough. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Robin.
0: It. <laughs> I love the whooshes. That's just my favorite thing. I know. <laughs>
1: Robin said she has talked enough. Robin can never talk enough. We're no. going to talk to Robin a lot. Um, so that's exciting, though, getting an LGBT liaison.
0: It is. It is exciting. And make sure you listen to the end of this episode because we're going to be talking to Annalisa Pereira and we will ask her about that. Right, right, she was right. very instrumental in it. But before we move on to the future, let's revisit the past. Okay, Chris, last year at the zoo.
1: Yeah, so we know there's a, a rainbow pride was it what's it called rainbow family day yeah mm-hmm. coming up at the zoo on the 29th um the last the first one was last year which i attended um and last year we had uh the the main theme of it was i mean there were people tabling and people walking around and could see the animals but there was a drag show a family-friendly drag show and there was a whole lot of controversy in the community uh ahead of that event
0: yeah for sure so they they started publicity Publicizing that this event was going to happen in early June. And the backlash was quick and, as you can imagine, gross and disgusting. But that did not stop the uh, community. As soon as the community heard that there had been this backlash, then the outpouring of support happened. And for those of you who listened to our July episode last year, you heard Chris was actually there. He interviewed some people. And it was a great event. Um, sources, let's see here, Fresno Bee said that 2,000 people attended yeah. this event. And for all accounts and purposes, I was of town, but for everybody I talked to said it was an amazing event. Tell it us.
1: was, and it's just to say, what touched me, and I'm, I don't have kids, and I don't necessarily like kids that often, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I like kids as long as they're, you know, they stay their distance. But um, it was, I, I was touched at this, this event and heart warmed by the families that were there, the kids with the parents, um, straight parents, gay parents, all kinds of parents. Um, and everybody in the community was happy and together. And the show itself, you know, people were worried about drag queens performing for children as we are hearing every single day of our lives now. And that's a whole other thing we can talk about. And we have been talking about on our podcast uh, all month long. Um, uh, the drag show was very family friendly and, and everybody loved it and nobody complained. Um, and there were some, you know, other people outside of the event that complained afterwards who didn't go to the event, people who complained before who didn't go to the event. I, this is my thing. If you're going to complain and, and accuse the community or a section of the community of doing something, go see what they're doing attend the event like people were complaining about our savior's lutheran church having that family-friendly drag event that was crazy the proud boys were there um listen to our show from in in december from december on that it was it was crazy i think it came out in january Yeah. Yeah. yeah um and none of these none of these people would ever go and see what was going on they just want to come out and and say innuendos and accusations Um, We were all called pedophiles um, at that event, the Savior's event, and we were easily labeled that as pedophiles in the media and uh, in the community outside of the LGBT community at the other event.
0: But the event itself, for those in the community, like you said, was a beautiful, wonderful experience. A lot of people left it very happy. You know, We've heard that the zoo lost some donors and the zoo lost some membership renewals, and there was definitely some financial backlash that we've been told about that happened at the zoo. So that is to be expected, but in the same way that corporate sponsorships and corporations get backlash from the very loud, very vocal, very bigoted side of things, usually that also inspires a lot of support. And I think that it's important if you are getting that kind of backlash to stand your ground and say, okay, you can have those opinions, but we still support our LGBT staff, community, membership, families, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of us were very excited about this year's zoo event.
1: Yeah, and let's just say that um, what's happening right now across the country with Target and um, Bud Light Light and uh, North Face and Walmart, and some of them are standing behind us and some of them are not. But this is pretty unprecedented that companies are now saying, okay, we're not going to. Support the LGBT, or we're going to take pride and stuff off our shelves. We're going to apologize for the trans person on the beer can because there's so much backlash uh. instead of standing behind us. So the community is very fragile right now because we're feeling this. I just saw a, a, a poll today that said support across the nation for same sex couples has gone from 71% to 64% just very recently. So our support and the community is falling. This is all a very dangerous thing. So the reason we're talking about the zoo event is because there's another one coming up on the 29th, which I will be at. Kalia will be out of town for that one, but I'll be there.
0: <laughs> My family reunion is just always this one. That event. weekend. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of community members have come to us and have with concerns about this event, because there is no drag performance.
0: Well, and even before that, there was a lot of confusion about the date, because at first right. the date was changed, and then there was an event page, and then the event page said that it was cancelled, but it was still being promoted, but not overly promoted, but then it was at the Pride Parade, there was a booth that said, yes, this is happening, but there was still nothing listed on the zoo's website. So we reached out to the zoo and we we actually reached out in May because we like to set up these interviews and stuff ahead of time. And we said, hey, can you come on the show and, you know, talk about the event and just free publicity and the zoo didn't get back to us for a very long time. Well, first
1: their response was they couldn't do it because of the Asian exhibit that they were just opening up. And we were like, okay. And then we got more uh, inquiries and concerns from the community about various things that were going on. Now, when I said there's no drag show, we don't expect that they have to have a drag show of course, every time they have a gay event. Just but, so
0: you know, drag does not equal gay. You can be gay and right. not do drag.
1: <laughs> but the optics of it was bad for right. our community and we just wanted to ask them about it. So anyway, We reached out for over a month, and we finally got a response... Today,
0: Well, first we got a response saying they weren't going to do any post-event marketing, which right. was very confusing because, as you all know, today is the 16th of June, and the event is now scheduled to be on the 29th of right. June.
1: So first they said they couldn't do it because of this other event they were opening at the zoo. Fine. There was a lot of stuff. Then they said they couldn't do any interviews right now because of what Kaylee had just said. And then um, they did say, we hope to talk to you at the event itself, which I would always plan to. And then today we sent them some very specific questions on Wednesday for this show and they answered them. We're not going to go over it tonight because we're working on this story as we speak.
0: Because there's some other stuff going on and some other concerns that community members have brought to us and we're trying to do our due diligence and get some actual answers and we feel like the uh, you know a five minute segment in the middle of this show is maybe not the place. We want to give it a proper time and attention yeah. that it deserves. So look for a podcast episode and an article written by us next week detailing some of the concerns and the backlash and then and also like where we go from here as a community about the zoo and its support, or not support, but its support, maybe lackluster support, of the community. I think
1: they support us. I think it's just, there's, there's some questions we need them to answer. And, and the last thing we heard recently was they were uh, accepting donations. They had put their organization on the Give Out Day website, which you probably know, but the Give Out Day is a fundraising campaign between June 1st and culminating on June 28th. It's the only national giving event for the LGBTQ community. It's specifically specific for the LGBTQ community. So when people heard that the Fresno Chaffee Chaffee Zoo had put up a page for their own fundraising on that site, it it alerted a lot of people that something weird was going on. We brought this to their attention yesterday. As of today, they're not on the give out day page anymore.
0: Right. And so, I mean, that's to be fair. That's a failing on two counts. That's the failing on the zoo should not have try to be on that page because they're not and I'll tell you the eligibility. I've got it right here. You have to be an LGBT primary incorporated 501c3 or a fiscally sponsored organization project including artists, filmmakers serving the community That you know, as part of a 501c3 for the LGBT community or a program exclusively serving the LGBT community etc. or like a PFLAG GSA. The zoo's not any of those things so we're really confused about their eligibility. So there's a failure on the give out side because they should have vetted and there's a failure on the zoo side because you shouldn't have tried to be on the page, but regardless, regardless, we're uh, gonna
1: talk more about that later. We will again, we'll have a podcast coming up, but right now we have a very special guest, Kalia.
0: Yes, yes, we do. Her name is Annalisa Perea, and we are excited to talk to her. Annalisa, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you guys for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we could make this work out. I know you had to duck out of a meeting or something to be part of this, right? You had a council yes. meeting today. Yeah. Yeah, we're right
4: in the middle of budget negotiations. And so I was uh, all day with the mayor and the rest of my budget subcommittee and the city manager, and we are just hashing out all the motions that the city council made over the last Week or so. Well,
1: then you need a break, Annalisa. Yeah,
0: so um, that's a perfect segue. Good job, you. On we just talked a little bit ago about the liaison and the aspect of that and the motion that was put forward last week and then voted on this week about the uh, the money that's allocated for the Fresno for the LGBT community here in Fresno. Can you talk about that a little bit?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, this is the first time you know we've had an out um, gay person on the Fresno City Council, and so. Um, I feel like now more than ever, this is the perfect time to be prioritizing funds to the LGBTQ plus community. And so... And just to, uh, just as, to, just
0: to jump in real fast, that's you, right? Let's just be real clear here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yay. Okay. Keep going. Keep going.
4: <laughs> all right. So as you mentioned, you know, we did allocate, um, you know, with a budget motion, some funds for a liaison. Um, So this person is going to be responsible for a lot of different things, but um, primarily just to make sure that our LGBTQ plus community has a voice here at City Hall. Um, Above and beyond, you know, the voice that I bring already. And so um, there's a lot of things, you know, that I'm currently working on. And so if we we can just dedicate one position to focus solely on the LGBTQ plus community, I think this is going to be a huge win for us. Um, Additionally, there was a motion um, to start an LGBTQ plus commission. There was a motion to give $100,000 to the EOC LGBTQ plus resource center. And then on top of that, an additional $100,000 to be dedicated in the form of a grant program to be targeted towards LGBTQ nonprofits. So this is a record number of investments that we are going to be putting into our city for the LGBTQ plus community. It's something we've never seen before. So I'm definitely excited to continue fighting for these uh, motions and make sure that ultimately they are included in the final budget proposal.
1: What do you think the prospects are, Annalisa?
4: You know, we have a very uh, friendly, LGBTQ friendly city council present day. Not all seven. With
1: one exception, um, I will say, at least one exception.
4: with with at least one exception i will tell you that i have some pretty incredible allies on the city council yeah
0: that's awesome and now we know that being on city council is kind of a family legacy of yours your father your brother so how how does that work in terms of the legacy that you're building for the lgbt community
4: yeah so i you know i i public service runs Deep in my family and and running for office was something that I personally never thought that I would do myself. Um, So I always served my community in different ways, whether that was joining commissions or serving on board of directors. Um, You know, just serving in general is something that every single one of my family members, it's something we do. It's something that comes naturally to us. And so um, it wasn't until maybe about four or five years ago when I thought, you know what, We, we need more people that that looks like me, whether it's um, being, being female, being from the LGBTQ plus community, being a Latina. We just need more representation when it comes to elected office. Absolutely. Uh, there's still a lot of diversity that, you know, we still need to reach when it comes to elected positions. Um, for example, you know, the city of Fresno is more than 50% female. However, we've only had one woman on the city council at any one given time. Wow. And so there's a lot of room to continue to diversify um, what leadership looks like here in our city. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy to continue a lot of the work and a lot of the foundation that my father and brother set and continue just to push, you know, towards good progress here in our city.
1: So, um, Annalisa, as a queer woman, did you, when you ran for office and you decided to take a position in government, How did that work in your head as far as, uh, um, you know, working with your queerness and working with an organization that's not typically accepting of queerness?
4: Right. I mean, I I think it's important to um, elevate that, right? It's important to have these conversations in a place where historically, I think, people aren't used to having these kinds of conversations. Right. And so it doesn't matter to me that, you know, one of my colleagues is uncomfortable (laughs) <laughs> you know, by talking about issues like this. It's, in, it's important to, to push these uncomfortable conversations. And one day, they won't be uncomfortable conversations. Right. Uh, but until then, you know, we're going to keep having these discussions about allocating money towards important issues here in our community. Um, because if, if I'm not going to do it, you know, I, I can rely on my ally colleagues. But um, if, if you don't have a seat at the table, and you know, what, there's no guarantee that issues that are important to us are going to be prioritized right. at the highest you know, level possible moving forward.
0: So that is why something like this liaison is so important to the community and the allocation of funds, etc. Can you talk specifically what that liaison may or may not do or where they would be funded from, whether that would be the mayor's office or the city council, and, and what that would entail if it happens? And then Chris asked, you know, the likelihood, I know you guys are hammering things out right now, but when will we as the community know whether or not this was successful?
4: So legally, uh, we have to pass our budget by June 30th. So at the very, very latest, we'll know by the end of this month um, what makes it into the budget and what doesn't. So the liaison is currently proposed to be housed under the Office of Community Affairs, um, which is under the mayor. So under the Office of Community Affairs, we currently have um, about three or four other Community liaison for the AAPI community, Latino community, the Sikh community, um, the, the the Black community, and so that's exactly where this liaison would be housed if we are successful with including it in this budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those tasks tasks include, you know, a- advocating for your particular um, community that you're there to represent, um, raising issues or pain points from your you know respective community. It's really just giving um, each segment of the community a bigger voice at City Hall. And so that's, you know, um, a lot of these leads on show up at different community events. They, they, their, their range of uh, duties is, is pretty broad. They do a little bit of everything. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good position to have.
1: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about diversity, which I think is so important. And I think you're so right. So the diversity is like under attack right now in a lot of the country, diversity and equity inclusion. There are people that places like Florida and Texas that are literally banning the discussion of of diversity and equity. you're absolutely right. Without different people at the table, those the subjects that are uh, integral to those communities don't come up, or tend not to come up as often. How do you? What do you recommend to people in our community, women, Latinos, LGBT people? How do you? Uh, what do you have to say to them about getting into government and making a difference? Uh, get
4: involved. Get involved. Get involved. I have um, vacancies right now on different commissions and committees at the city of Fresno that I have the um, ability to fill. And so what we're doing is looking for um, diverse applicants, whether you're from the LGBTQ community or whether you're female um, identified, um, any, anything that we can do to diversify these boards and commissions here at the city of Fresno, that's probably the easiest way to get people more civically involved in a very influential way so I just encourage people go onto the City of Fresno website you just google City of Fresno board commissions. you're going to get a whole list of vacancy uh, positions that we have at the City of Fresno my recommendation is just to have people apply um, okay. my commitment during the cam- my campaign was to diversify these boards so to make sure that we have more women um, with voices at City Hall to make sure we have more youth more members of the LGBTQ community um, my staff alone is very reflective of um, that diversity itself. I've hired LGBTQ plus individuals. I've um, hired quite a few women, uh, people of color, um it it's important it's one thing to talk about it but you know if you're not backing it up with your own actions then you know you're not doing yourself
1: justice yeah and um i totally applaud uh what you're doing on the city council and what your allies are doing on the city council but let's let's just be blunt is Gre- gary bredafeld is drives me crazy um we've <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, We've asked him to be on the show. I've emailed him several times. I've gotten no response. And when you guys all walked out on his speech, it showed so much to the community. How do you and your allies deal with somebody who's, let's be frank, is so hate-filled on a lot of issues?
4: Right, yeah. I I would love for 100% of our population to be on the right side of history, right? But unfortunately, we're just not quite there. Um, if anything, what my colleague in District 6 brings to the table is he shows and he just continues to prove over and over and over again um, how important it is to invest in the LGBTQ community and to invest in events like our annual uh, Pride Flags raising ceremony we have here at City Hall. You know, visibility matters. It's, it's important. So... Um, You know, we just participated in the Fresno State flag raising, um, the Tower District pride flag raising, and so it's important to continue these traditions of visibility, and something as simple as raising a pride flag is still met with so much animosity in different cities here in the Central Valley, and so for Fresno to be a leader when it comes to raising this pride flag um, is really important when we still have folks such as, you know, my colleague from District Six, um, who is just so uh, you know, visibly against what it is that we're doing. And so until we can win over people like him, which I don't know if we ever will, no. You know, it's, it's folks like us continuing to step up and to make these critical investments to elevate these issues, to continue to push um for, for the necessary change, you know, that we need here to for Equality,
0: you know for all yeah, yeah. Uh, we were at the flag raising in the tower and you spoke and it was very very moving but i also know that you were a grand marshal at the parade can you talk just for real quick about that what it was like to be in the in the parade and as a grand marshal and uh do you have a fancy sash that you get to wear around the house or or what they do for you
4: yeah so they you know we had gosh i don't know three or four grand marshals in this parade and it, it's just again so important to. Um, to invest in events like this and to make sure that events such as the the pride parade and the parade festival um are continuing to be successful each year and so um we my office you know helps them with their permitting um through the city of fresno many of my colleagues on the city council financially donated to the pride parade um so we show our support my colleagues and i through not just being there right being there is, is Extremely important, but it's important to continue to monetarily invest in these nonprofits as well. Um, so I know you guys were just talking about the zoo. You know, my office is a proud sponsor of the upcoming zoo family pride event. Um, there's a queer housing summit coming up in the next couple months, and so we're one of the sponsors there. Um, so whether it's, it's the pride parade or the family friendly, you know, pride event at the zoo. Um, you know, half of the battle is one. yes, showing up, being there, showing your face, you know, whether it's being a grand marshal or, or a sponsor. But the other part is really, you know, putting your money behind events, too. And so I'm just so happy to see not just myself, but my colleagues, yeah, my, my yeah. ally um, you know, male colleagues stepping up to the plate and really doing a lot to invest, you know, their own council budgets into making sure these events continue to be successful
1: yeah, year yeah, after and, you year. Know, we can the, We say this all the time. We uh, in the LGBTQ plus community can't do it without our allies. We have to have our allies, just like any disenfranchised group. We all need our allies. Mm-hmm. Do you run into Annalisa in in your work uh, in public life? Do you come into backlash for being a queer woman?
4: Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know I'm not immune to that. I know we still see hate, unfortunately, all across the nation, but we're not immune to that here in the city of Fresno. And so, um, it wasn't too long ago I had a it was a, a bunch of pastors from Adventure Church. They have their their own podcast, and they dedicated a whole segment of their podcast, you know, just sort of bashing me and bashing. Oh the my work gosh, that we're doing really? In the city of Fresno for the for the LGBTQ community. And then just maybe a week or so later, you know, there was a can of, of a bunch of, um, there, there was a bunch of butane cans waiting for me on my porch one day when I got home. So, oh my God. you know, it's, it's one thing to, you know, verbally disagree with me, you know, that's right. fine. You take that, I, I take it every day. It's another thing to trespass onto my property and to, you know, threaten myself and my, my family.
1: And obviously this is going on a lot more across the country, especially with politicians and government employees, where people are just doing these potentially violent acts against them. Do you see this amping up in the future? Do you see it quieting down in Fresno? Is it being addressed by authorities? Um, It's it's definitely being addressed by authorities, I'll tell you that much.
4: And I can't go into too many details about that, but... Um, it's important that we are accurately identifying, you know, that, that these are hate crimes. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, this I just use this as fuel to turn around and, and fight that much harder for my community.
0: Yeah, well, we really appreciate that you're not one of those politicians who shows up to have their picture taken and then, you know, hides in their cave until the next June. We we love the fact that you're you're walking the walk, talking the talk, and really being an active and present supporter for us. And we don't want to keep you. We know those budget meetings are very, very important. But just real quick, and you don't have to talk about it because I know we're stressed for time, but I wanted to thank you for your recent vote no on the uh, camping vote that happened recently as being one of the only people who stood up and and said no to that i just think that was a a beautiful sentiment so thank you for that and thank you again for all the wonderful work you do and we should have you back on an episode where we can talk just to you just to you yeah Yeah, because you're
1: you're a breath of fresh air annalise we really appreciate everything that you're doing
4: yeah i really appreciate that and i would love to come back and talk more with you guys hopefully soon all right thank you so much
1: good luck out there
4: thank
0: you guys take care take care (laughs) Wow, that butane thing—that's—that's
1: that's amazing. But you know, it's amazing because we didn't know about it, and she's yeah. telling us about it, and it's local. But as you know, across the country, these kinds of things are happening uh, uh, yeah. every single day now. Yeah, it's almost—you know how much of a news hound I am, and I knew—I <laughs> know you are too. Oh. Um, there are days. I used to take off, like, I would take off Friday. I'm not going to look at news on Friday. That ended pretty quickly because, you know, there's news on Friday. (laughs) So, and and it's it's hard because it gets to my, uh, you know, emotional state to have this batter over me every single day because I look at news all day, every day.
0: See, I... I Used to be much more of a news hound, and I was getting real depressed and yeah, full of happens. anxiety How all can the time. You not? Yeah, So I listen to the NPR news in the morning. Uh, I check my TikTok <laughs> fairly often, and uh, you know get things that way. And then there's a couple other places, but yeah, you just can't be inundated. It's it's not it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And
1: I want to do a quick uh, some numbers on the Pride Parade because I just got them from Brian. Uh, Sixteen thousand people were at the Pride Parade this year. Twelve thousand five hundred. I love this number because it's very specific because they had to admit people. Uh-huh. 12,000 12,561 people were at the festival. Wow. And there were some prizes for the uh, parade entries. Uh, largest contingent, most festive, and most in theme. Most festive was Home Depot. Most in theme was Fresno Unified. And largest was T-Mobile. Wow. Wow. It was big. We were there. Yeah. Kalia marched in the parade this I year without less with sports. With
0: kickball.
1: With kickball. There, there we kickball. go. I
0: know. They're all out climbing rocks right now, and I'm here with you because you make me cookies, and I like being <laughs> on the radio. But now everybody's <laughs> going
1: to want cookies, Oh, Kalia. no, no,
0: no. Just for me. Just for me. Um, let's see here. Do we have time? We have a real quick moment, to let's do a real quick you rock, you suck kind of thing. I just want to say thank you to the White House for raising the not just the LGBT flag this month, but for raising the progress. Pride flag which as you may or may not know audience is the one that includes the trans triangle and the other colors it's it came Which out actually the, came out
1: a couple years ago. It did yeah. it did
0: but it hasn't always been as widely used um and so it was great to see it of course the you suck part is that Fox News decided to say that it symbolized pedophiles all you had to say was Fox do. News and stop yeah. there you yeah. suck
1: Fox News yeah. So, yeah. Um, indeed yeah.
0: Yeah, ah, exactly. Thank you, Dennis.
1: <laughs> and so uh, if you all know, there's a Dodgers game going on tonight in L.A. with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which were rejected, accepted by the Dodgers, then rejected, then re-accepted. So they uh-huh. are going to get an award there tonight. And so there's Catholic groups protesting outside. They're going to have a prayer in or something for that. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lot my use. You, you, you,
1: you rock to you the Dodgers f- and you suck to the Catholics. Well, I'm going to you rock to the Sisters of,
0: pro- of. Oh the yes, yeah, absolutely. For sure. They absolutely. get my you rock. So that about sums up the episode. But you guys know that we are full of episodes this month. So make sure that you are subscribed to us. It's a queer thing, no spaces, T H uh, A N G, because we've had Ada Vox. We're going to have Story Van Ness. We've ha- are going to have uh, Carrie, 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 Peter scary Peter
1: Robertson, um,
0: cruising in, Cruisin in the Castro. Yeah, just a lot of episodes this month we just Pride. had
1: uh, well, the, well the episode we just did with uh, daryl demure in ohio yeah so Dayton ohio we, we've reached out to there's drag your ohio performers mentioned. there's <laughs> my ohio i told you it always comes up james is listening right now james there's ohio just for you anyway so
0: take a look at that and of course you can find us on facebook and instagram and you can always email us at it's a queer thing t-h-a-n-g at gmail.com thank you so much
1: see you next time